Welcome to Reynolds Pub, where we talk about the spirits while partaking of spirits. Hello everyone, this is Nate, co-host of Reynolds Pub. We had a question come in for myself and Mason to answer, and here's the question. Hey Nate and Mason, what are some differences between Pentecostals and other denominations? And that question came in from Alexis, a good friend of mine. What follows is the conversation that Mason and I had about that question. Please enjoy. Here are your hosts, Nate and Mason. So the 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 conversation we'll have now is the what is the difference between Pentecostalism and other denominations? Yeah. But one thing we need to we want to interject here is that even within Pentecostalism, oh yeah, there are so many there's so many branches. I mean, you could almost say charismatic versus other denominations. Although even within there, I mean you've got your UPC, you've got your Assemblies of God, you've got your Church of Christ. Church of Christ. You've got your Church of Christ. Church of God and Christ. Church of God and Christ. Now that would you do have a church of Church of God. Yeah. And then you've got Assembly of of God. God. Yeah. And then Church of God in Christ. It's all different flavors. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about generally is going to be the United Pentecostal version of Pentecostals, which is even a subsect within many different subsects. It's it's <laughs> kind of a we're a weird group of people growing up. I mean, I, I remember growing up and I was the only Pentecostal in my school. Yes. Like literally the only one that was true following the Pentecostal tenants, Pentecostals. Now, we had other kids that went to church with me, but they were they were just going because their mom and dad. Went. Yep. So, uh, I mean, I can start off with some of the uh, Mason can go into some of the more in-depth stuff, but just at a high level. United Pentecostals, well, most Pentecostals, I believe, believe in the the charismatic gifts, that is, speaking in tongues, healing, that sort of thing. So that kind of separates Pentecostals generally or charismatics from everyone else. Generally, you're Baptist and Methodist and Lutherans and Catholics generally don't speak in tongues. That's not true in all cases. There's a charismatic Catholic church in in Houston, Houston, which they do everything that Pentecostals do, but they also do everything that Catholics do, which is a weird deal. It's pretty cool. I actually watched that service in 2020 one time. Yeah. Their their liturgy. It was pretty phenomenal. It's like, that's like on, that's like. That's like oil and water almost. I don't even know how you put those two things together, but um, so that that that's uh, the the method of worship. We'll go through these a little bit more in depth. But the method of worship, the 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 the, the conveyance of the gospel, mm-hmm. that's that's one big difference. Um, but really, a, a big, very big difference is uh, United Pentecostals believe in the, and this is what separates them from most other. Pentecostals, yeah, separation is is United Pentecostals believe in in a, 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 a one God that they believe in oneness they call it which is is that uh, only one God and He is manifest mm-hmm. in three different uh, ways the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost whereas Trinitarians tend to believe that uh, it's 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 God the God the Son and God the Holy Ghost now that's what we were raised to believe and that's probably not necessarily the true matter of things because as i get older i realize that all that semantics we're all saying the same thing it's saying the same thing just different ways yeah but they want to make that distinction so that you know some people feel better about themselves than 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 not so 
That's the big one. I, Mason will probably be able to speak to that a little bit better because I've been out of that a long time. So some of it's I've you know. So oneness is is classified as modalism within the theological realm. So modalism means that you have the one God, you have God the Creator who wears the Father hat, and then when he's done being the Father, he removes the Father hat and he puts on the Son hat, and he's Jesus. And then he takes the the son hat off and he puts the Holy Ghost hat on. And now he's the Holy Ghost in us. Right. So it's modalism, which since the first century church that has been deemed heresy. <laughs> so, no, but mostly, mostly in your Christian movement, the oneness Pentecostalism or oneness apostolic is is a very small sect of Christianity. Mostly all mostly your Christian uh, your Christian practices are Trinitarian. So the Trinitarian is there is one God who one God in three persons, persons, right? But it's not, it's not seen as three distinct persons where you have three people sitting on one throne. It's a conglomeration of a knot. The way I would look at it is it's a knot and that God expresses himself as creator, as, well, no. See, the Trinity, okay, okay, let's just rephrase this and say that the Trinity is a mystery, and there's no way to explain the Trinity logically, and therefore it is to be received in faith, believing that it is one God in three persons. Now, if you want to know a good Three sources that explain the Trinity really, really well would be Archbishop Fulton Sheen, Mark McNeil, which you would like Mark McNeil, because Mark McNeil used to be a UPC member who graduated Valley Victorian of TBC. And then within a month after graduating from TBC, he became Assembly of God because the UPC could not effectively disprove the Trinitarian doctrine and he became assembly of God. And now Mark McNeil is a seminary professor at a Jesuit seminary in Houston, Texas. I think you've actually told me about that guy. Great author. His book is all in the name of Jesus. That's a great book. And then of course, Greg Boyd. I've heard that name too. He, he used to be oneness. Yeah. I thought, I think I, he wrote a book called Trinity and the Oneness, or the Oneness and the Trinity. It's on Amazon. I'm reading that right now. So, so talking about the Trinity, here's what's really cool about this this idea of Trinity is that is is that you know the Trinity ideal is not just Christian or, or no, it's or, not or Catholicism. I'm glad you said that. And in in fact, I bought Celeste a bracelet, and mm-hmm. it's a Triscale. Mm-hmm. Which represents the Trinity, but in her case, it was it's it's pagan. Mm-hmm. It, it's something I bought, and it's it's it represents. Oh, I can't remember the goddess's name now, but it's the goddess of warriors, the yep. goddess of horses, actually, mm-hmm. that protects the horses, and that was very popular. Very, she was worshipped quite a bit by by your warrior class because their method of going into battle was the horse, mm-hmm. and so they prayed to this goddess, and I can't pull up her name for some reason, um, that 
to, to protect their horses because if they ever were knocked off their horse or their horse was knocked out from under them, that was essentially the end of them. That was the been their death in battle. And so uh, I actually bought them a, a, tr- uh, a bracelet with a triskel of horses. Huh? No, I don't think it was that. The Duke is speaking. That's that's our producer, Duke. The Duke. Anyway, um, I remember her name. Um, that protects horses. So while he's looking that up, so in Hinduism, there is the I. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, boo boo. What is it, Yogi? Make sure to check out Reynolds.pub. I love them like I love a good picnic basket. Yogi, that's a great idea, but what would Park Ranger say? Don't listen to him. He's a commie. Yes, E-P-O-N-A, Epona, the goddess Epona. So in Hinduism, you have the concept of the creator and destroyer. Then you have the the individual of love and compassion, and then you have the individual of nurturing and birthing, right? Or nurturing and compassion, or nurturing the nurturer, like like feminine energy, yeah, right. So within Christianity, you have the Father who is the Creator and the and the Destroyer. You have Jesus who is the love and the compassion, and then you have the Holy Spirit, which is the nurturer and the building up and the edifier of people. Yeah, so there is definite parallelism. There, there goes that that thread that we that keep thread. speaking that that goes through just almost all religions in yep. some some form or fashion, you know. And so, you know, I start thinking about the Trinity of things. It's not, you know, and man, look at man. Man is a tripartite. So man is made up of flesh, soul, and spirit, which is a Trinity. Yeah. So we're and if we are made in the image of God then we are a trinity, and God is a trinity. It's, it's just amazing you start doing the threes of things. But one they don't want to talk about yeah. man being a tripartite, uh, right? Because <laughs> that, 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 that debunks one of their favorite those. arguments. Yeah. So further, Pentecostals versus non-Pentecostals, you've got worship, which I can speak to that. I mean, we, we were both musicians, yes. Mason and I. I played drums and bass. He played drums. Do you play anything else? The tambourine. And oh, I clap my hands. Yeah, he really so well. Rhythm. <laughs> I don't know if he can clap really well. I wouldn't call it really well. But anyway, so we're both musicians. Uh, the biggest biggest difference that I remember was was the, the music, especially when you get into that, like, as we were talking about in that, that last episode, where it's the praise music, the dance music, uh, which is not purely UPC. But Pentecostal generally, yeah. So it's it's that fast be on the driving. black gospel, yeah, black gospel vein, yeah. So there was that. Uh, it, it, also, it, so if we're talking worship, it, you know that the music is different, but you also have uh, exuberance in that you've got people who run the aisles and excitement and and exuberance and and people who shout. Um, we call it shouting. It's sometimes it's vocal and sometimes it's just a dance. Um, but it would be a throwdown. They would just throw it down. Cut a rug. Just, just cut a rug. I call it chew plaster off yeah. the walls. Yeah, they would just do stuff. You know, we always, you know, growing up in that, you know, it was always funny to watch because you kind of you don't get cynical, but you see it, and so it becomes commonplace to an extent. 
I know of a guy that I went to seminary with and <laughs> he used to sing in the choir and he uh, there was this girl that came to his church that he knew. I guess he went to school with her or something like that. And he was actually, you know, in in the choir, like singing. And, and he was kind of uh, he could actually sing, if I remember correctly. Anyway, he wanted to show out for her <laughs> and show her how spiritual he was. Oh, my God. And so they wore choir robes, the whole nine yards. And this was the kind of choir that would sit behind the pastor the entire you know, yeah. in, in your yours and my experience, yeah. the choir would come up from the audience and when they were ready to sing. But no, in this case, these leave. guys stood up there and or these this choir sat behind, had the place, and that's where they set the entire service. So they're doing some fast rhythmic dance you know, number and uh he decides he's gonna run the aisles and so he takes off from the <laughs> from the platform Heads down the middle of this aisle. And this is a big church. We're talking a thousand people in this church. And he gets about halfway down the middle aisle and he's got that robe on and his legs get caught up in the robe. He does a cartwheel and lands so hard it knocks the breath out of him. Well, he ain't in the spirit at all. No. And, and so the quote unquote, the spirit. So he, he falls down, rolls down the middle of the aisle, knock, knocks the breath out of him. He just lays there. And so... One of the ushers knew him. Comes dancing over to him, kind of acting like he's working. <laughs> it leads down. He's like, face. He was like, bro, you okay? The guy was like, <laughs> he couldn't even talk. He was like, okay, okay. That reminds me of when I was at youth camp one time, I was standing around the altar and I noticed one guy was literally running on top of the pews. Oh, yeah. I saw a preacher running the pews while he was preaching. And I saw that and I went, it would be hilarious if he fell. And those words did not form in my brain fast enough. And that guy was arms and legs tangled up, and fell down, hurt. And then he jumped up real quick and Looked made around. sure nobody was looking. <laughs> and then he just kind of eased out of the pew. And he went back to shouting down the aisle, right? And I was like, bro, everybody saw that, man. Uh, like you. Oh, man, we saw some stuff oh, growing up. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen stuff that's just like. Um, <laughs> and when stuff like that happens, you're just like, that's not. We went to this church. not right. We were going to this church. Uh, it, it was in Conroe. And, and there was this little old lady. And you know who I'm talking about. She, They were doing a, a, a little skit thing for a youth um, um, revival or something they were having a youth gathering and so to do that what they did was they had like the youth pastor and some of the youth dress up in, in track clothes because it was supposed to be some sort of it was an advertisement in church for lack of a better word and they were going to advertise this youth gathering and so uh, the youth pa pastor is he starts running down the side of the aisle because he's jogging like he's like exercising. It's not that he's shouting. He's just exercising. He's just jogging. Well, this sister saw him do that and misinterpreted his advertisement for the youth gathering as him getting the spirit. And it's so she, she starts shouting oh, down the middle of the aisle. Man. She's the only one, and this oh, dude—they they almost had to shut it down because, like, like she was—I mean, she was getting with it. She's getting with oh, it. Oh yeah, she thought she thought the Lord had done entered so the building. That's so pitiful. When you see stuff like that, no matter who it is, you just like you're missing it. Yeah, read the room, bro. But it's so funny, man. I, I and and I guess that's where I'm at now. Is is like I see that kind of stuff, and it's you know, 
you know, the, the hairstyle, the, the the women with long hair, which is probably something yep. we need to talk about. You know, another big difference between United Pentecostals specifically and non-United Pentecostals is is what they call holiness, holiness. which is which is essentially a dress code. Well, it, 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 I mean, call it. Yeah. But it's, it's a dress code, code with, with punishment. Cause with you'll go to severe hell for, punishment. Yeah, because you'll go to hell for certain things. You know, women can't cut their hair because the hair's, you know. Hope. And it's all patriarchal, yeah. right? So all the women have a long list of holiness dress code stipulations that they're required. The only thing men can't do is we can't we couldn't have beards and we couldn't wear shorts. Yeah, that was about it. And depending upon your church, depending upon the length of your of your shirt sleeves. Like some men went oh, to yeah. a church where they had to wear sleeves to their wrists. And I, I know of some churches where all the men had to wear the same color clothes and shirts. Because it was their underwear. Yeah. It was their well, underwear. no, it was the shirt itself. The actual dress shirt had to be all white. It couldn't be color. It had to oh, be white. Oh, yeah. The pre- okay, yeah. It was like in, in Arkansas. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I had to wear black pants, black slacks, and a white shirt. And a white Anything shirt. else was, a, was quote unquote a sin. Yep. Um, and that's so, why Jesus died. Yeah. You so know, we could argue about whether. So that we all had to wear white yeah. button ups. That's so why he died. That's a, that was another. I mean, I think that's another big distinction. Not that it's necessarily the distinction, but there are several. And 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 of course, the question that that Alexis was was asking me about was was the yellow envelopes. Ah, and so uh, the yes. yellow envelopes. Just so you know, it the was, yellow envelopes. Every we, minister sees a sees a yellow envelope. He gets a little aroused. Yeah, that's just not right, right? Because. There. The, the yellow envelopes, where that comes from, is the UPC has their own publishing company because it's one of the wealthiest, it's the wealthiest oneness organization in the world. And so it has a publishing company which publish or builds and makes and ships envelopes that are meant for offering. And so usually it was the tithing. Tithing. Now, tithing is what they call the 10% of your gross income goes to the pastor. So you would take your tithe check or cash or coins because they were real, yeah, you, you, you you real strict. If you oh, made, you I know, know some people, it was exact. It you was had to be exact. Yeah. Very exact. So you would put that in the yellow envelope and seal it up and then put it in the offering plate. And when the pastor saw the yellow envelope, he knew payday was coming. Yeah. And in, and in the UPC, I don't know if it's like this in other denominations, the pastor got all that, got got the tithing. I think scripturally, the, the priesthood as a whole would get it to take care of. You know, they the tr- didn't have the offerings necessarily. Of it was it was it was they would take care of. Uh, I want to say they would even use it to Storehouse. take care of widows and, 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 and orphans and such. Yep. Your smaller Pentecostal churches or UPC churches, the, the pastor got it all, essentially. And sometimes it wasn't even enough. I mean, I know in Dad's case, you know, we had such a small church that it wasn't enough to to support us as a family. So he went to work. But, yeah, so the yellow envelope was about... Um, it was it was offering. it was very similar to your deposit slip when you go to the bank. Yes, it was very similar. Yes, uh, except there was a small envelope. It was probably about the size of a business card. Yep, that you would put stuff in there, and you could put how much it was on the you write and it on the outside. where it would be designated. Yeah, to you go. could actually designate it if you actually had an offering that you wanted to give, but you wanted that offering to go to the mission field. Yeah, the pantry 
you know, the food pantry or, yeah. or whatever it is. So that's, that was uh, Alexis was well, what are y'all talking about? Yellow envelopes. And so I'd assume that everybody had yellow envelopes <laughs> because that's the way I was raised. But that's what that means. The envelopes that offering is, is very important. Money, for some odd reason, is very important to the church and they want it. Yeah. So, yeah. But they, you know, never mind. We won't go there. There are actually pastors the, and evangelists. There, well, let's start off with the pastors. There are pastors who take 100% of the tithes and 100% of the Sunday morning offering. And that is their salary. And Sunday nights and Wednesday night offerings went towards the, goes towards the church bills. The bills, yeah. So guess which... Guess which service has the most attendance? Attendance yeah. is Sunday morning. Sunday morning. So the church has to suffer because hardly, you know, numbers drop on Sunday night yeah. and definitely Wednesday nights. When 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 the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament actually made tents for a living, even yep. as he was writing most of the New Testament. Bro, let me tell you this. So I found a, an old document called the Didache. The Didache. Now, what the Didache is, is a book or a document that was written by the disciples. Peter, Paul, I mean, Peter, James, and John, the disciples. And it's basically a church manual, right? Very basic, very easy, nothing extraordinary. Just here's some common practices that we as the church should perform. Right. In the Didache, there is a there is a paragraph that states this. And I love this. It says, number one, if a minister comes to your home or comes to your church and says he's a prophet, then you receive him as a prophet and honor him. But he is only supposed to stay at your church for three days. After three days, he should leave and he should not ask for money and he should not ask for food. But you only give him enough food to make it for the day. And at the end of three days, then you give him food to make it to the next church. And if he asks to stay more time or if he asks for more food, immediate false prophet and he's a heretic and should be banned from the church. That would stop a whole lot of crap going on. Now, this will stop a lot of crap. Paragraph number two says that if a minister asks for any amount of money. Immediate false prophet. Immediate. So if a man of God says, you know, I need 50 bucks for gas. Immediate false prophet. <laughs> well, that's certainly something that would put a crimp at a whole lot of people's. Or if he's on TV going, send me $100. Yeah, immediate false put your, prophet. Put your hand on put the TV. Hand and on the television. <laughs> so... Anyway, those are really the biggest differences. This is not a long episode, but uh, Alexis had that question. Maybe we'll generate more questions. And, and by all means, if you have questions that, that you would like for us to go further into, because we, we come from that small subsect of Christianity that we say stuff that only we understand and we just think everybody else understands right. it. So there you go. Any other questions, just uh, let us know. We want to dedicate this episode to Alexis. Thank you, Alexis, for listening to our podcast and asking your question. 
to everyone else. If you'd like to send us a question, use questions at rettles.pub to email us. There are two ways to do this. You can record your voice on your phone and email it. Or, if you're not comfortable with listening to your own voice, just send us a good old text question and email, and we'll read it for you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Nate with Rettles Pub. Up next on Rettles Pub. For me, meditative practice is imperative. I think meditative practice is imperative to your spiritual growth, regardless of what you you have your practice, you have your truth, right? And I'm not going to challenge that. Um, one of my core beliefs, and I found this in Scripture. I was just reading through Scripture, and I come across the statement by Paul where we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. 